What's going on, Fizan? Hey, long sauce, man. I'm good. How are you doing? Chilling. Nice. Any more uh, travels coming up for work or anything? Yeah, got one probably in two weeks. Potentially going to our India office. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So just working on. Let's see. Well, let's see what happens with the visa. <laughs> nice, nice. Usually, quick experience. Yeah, I'm like 50 50. I'd rather just go to our Philippines office. But if my visa gets denied, I'll probably just go to my Philippines office. They usually give a hard time to Pakistanis. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Like, it doesn't matter, like, because they look at what you where what nationality your parents are, and then they'll, they may like reject based on that. Yeah, yeah it's really backwards because, you know, like, we're born in America, so it really, really doesn't mean anything. Like from their perspective, you know, you get tourists, you get travel money, business money. It's pretty dumb. Yeah, exactly. Because it happened at Dayab too. Like his business. Oh, wow. Got it the first time, then he got denied the last few times. Wow. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you gentlemen doing? Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah. Nice. Well, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, I'm still driving home, so I won't be on camera. Bro, brothers as well. be careful. <laughs> I'm parked right now, so again. Would um, you say you were what? I'm parked right now. Uh, in a parking lot. But um, we have a couple of brothers who are going to join late. Adnan, Ormuhit, and one other brother as well. Inshallah, who just joined. Ali Sharif is here. Ali Sharif is in the house. How you doing, Usman? Alhamdulillah. I'm still trying to... Um, even be able to put in some time for this uh, the weekend school i've barely even had any brain space to even focus on that other people have also been asking like yeah. bro what's going on with this and so i i also gave your name uh to a group as well uh okay. there's a group called uh jenna circle uh it's like a sisters run organization it's kind of like a um i don't know i think it was like a sister's version of ym alumni in a sense oh, they're nice. not affiliated with ym but they're very much like about uh, bringing people together, uh, a little bit Islamic work oriented. And uh, they're basically based in Naperville and they have a Sunday school that runs out of a house right now. It's a really uh, large house though. MashaAllah, they have like 80 kids or 90 whoa, kids. How big is this house? Whoa. It's, it's, a very, it's a very large house, MashaAllah. Um, they're like the husband and wife are both physicians. They have like a really big uh, residence and they have, uh, they, they take tuition for it and all the money goes to the teachers. And so they, um, I told them, well, you're in Naperville. You know, I remember your thing was potentially maybe going to be an Aurora and they're always looking for like, um, like guidance from leaders and people who are in this kind of field. So I, I give them your information okay. uh, immediately. So they might contact you, they might not, they're just hands up. Okay, inshallah. Sounds good. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. And are you able to pull up the link, anybody? I'm having trouble loading the, the Euthyphro link, like the whole site. Interesting. Uh. Okay, I can send you. I have the file. If you can put it in the the chat box. Yeah, let me look. Let me get it. I'm right. She's on or Ali. How are y'all doing? Thank you. Good, good. She's on. Do you do tonal? Uh no, I actually just found a discount to buy something from there that looked like a nice hoodie, so that's why I'm wearing it. I don't have a tonal <laughs> though. Nice. Okay. 
You enable sharing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how to do it, so I'll just make you a co-host. Co Does that work? Let me see. Now I've changed to multiple participants can share. Oh, did any of you see my Dr. Sfarar lecture with that British group? No, I didn't. Okay. Where was this? It's called uh, Islamic Literary Society. Uh, but that's not the reason I was asking. The reason I was asking is because I was just reminded by this by putting on multiple participants could share because some trolls joined the class, joined oh, the lecture, man. and started posting pornography. Wow. And Bichara Abdul Hai, who's uh, like your age-ish, you guys, he, this is the first time he was hosting and he got so overwhelmed that he had to like cancel the call, cancel the meeting, and then quickly give us another Zoom address. And then had to give us another Zoom address. You know, bichara. So right now, Usman, I'm seeing what looks like an email that I probably shouldn't be seeing. But yeah. Oh, you are? Oh. oh. I am. I don't know why the option's not there anymore. Which option? To share a file. Um. I went to files, but I don't see it. Can't browse. Advanced sharing options. Who can share all participants? Who can start sharing? I can just share my screen if you want. Um, sure. Or like, oh, so you have it as a file, not as a link? PDF, yeah. Okay. Download it. All right. Let me. Well, I mean, if we have the starting point, we shall know better, my good friend from uh, Fezan. Let me see if I can just find a different one. Otherwise, we will have you do the sharing, the sharification. Um, while I'm pulling this up, anybody have any questions about anything at all? No. Yes, exactly. No. No well, questions. Where do we leave off in the text? I've been a little absent. There's a, a line that says, we shall know better, my good friend. Let me try a different browser. Uh oh, this is working. This might be working. I'll be slowly up. Rahim has just given us a link. Is the link working for you all? For me right now, it's just sitting. Uh, it worked for me. Interesting. Yep, did not work, which is strange because it's MIT and I'm at a university. Maybe there's some rivalry going on here. Yeah, that, that link doesn't work for me, but I have it saved. It does not work. Okay. Okay. I'm going to log back in. I think that's why I can't share. Um, not logging in. Okay. I found a different one, which we can use. I think we're fine. You don't have to. Oh, I think he's gone. Yeah, I tried using that earlier just to read up on what we were reading. It hasn't worked in like a day for me. So I think something's going on with that one. Okay. How about this? Can you all see this? Yeah. All right. 
We can wait a moment for Osman to rejoin us. Wait, there you are, Osman. Yeah. Okay, so we're right here. So once again, uh, some of this is, is at this point gotten a little bit of uh, uh, repetitious in terms of the definition of piety and impiety. Piety at first was whatever the gods love. Impiety is what the gods hate. But then Socrates illustrated the point that the gods will contradict each other. So now piety is what all the gods love and impiety is what all the gods hate. So let's see um, who should be Euthyphro. Who wants to be Euthyphro this time? Rahim, you want to be Euthyphro? And Bilal, sure. you want to be uh, Socrates? All right. We shall know better, my girlfriend. And then... Oh, sorry. All right. Hold on. I'll just make it bigger. Okay, there. We shall know better, my good friend, in a little while. The point which I should first uh, wish to understand is whether the pious or holy is beloved by the gods, because it is holy or holy because it is beloved of the gods. Okay, so this is the point we were addressing at the very end, right? Is Allah giving us a command to do because it is good, or is it good because Allah is telling us to do it? Likewise, did Allah pick the Prophet, peace be upon him, because he's the greatest of all people, or is he the greatest of all people because Allah picked him? And so we would default on the side of whatever makes Allah greater. So anytime you have a comparison issue, I mean, it's more of a thought experiment than anything else, meaning because Allah created the Prophet, peace be upon him, and Allah is the one who chose the Prophet, so Allah is actually controlling everything. But in those types of either-or situations, you err on whichever side makes Allah better, whichever makes Allah greater, as a general rule of thumb. All right, Yuthfro. Omar, I, uh, I have a quick question. Yes. Don't mind. Sorry to interject. Yes, Ali. <laughs> uh, it's uh you know the point about you know whether uh you know with the in regards to the prophet Sallam, you know is he great because allah deemed him to be great or is he a great person uh, i think for us it's, it's it's in general like what you said we err on the side of whatever makes allah greater but in general it's like the point itself it's kind of like uh, it's not the biggest deal, I guess, but uh, in the sense that it's not like worth splitting hairs over, right? But yeah, like, would you say that, like, in in certain like communities or certain like uh, with certain groups of people, it, are these issues like these are these like kind of common where they kind of split hairs or they kind of make a big deal over points that are not really something that need to be like really. Um, I don't know, are worth splitting hairs over, if that makes sense? Well, I'll put it like this, um, that uh, in philosophy, they're splitting hairs on things that for a normal human being would be a waste of time. But they're splitting hairs for the reason, with the goal of finding some other deeper insight. Okay. So, for example, uh, what is the consequence if we say Allah chose the prophet because the prophet is so great what do you all think then that emphasizes free will mm, okay see what i'm saying okay. 
because you can't really separate the two as though they're two different issues that Allah chose the prophet because he's great or the prophet is great because Allah chose him like uh they're both one because again Allah controlled all and then so Allah says we made you of an exemplary character yeah. so Allah is actually controlling both sides so usually those hair splitting questions are are more for discovering what other insights can we get and usually it's about just like the nature of reality that's uh, what philosophers fundamentally are always trying to figure out you know it okay. might be in a specific topic so yeah if it's a regular person then it's unnecessary hair splitting okay so another question is like uh, one of the big questions that we might have touched on one of those big controversies of human history was is the quran created or uncreated for us in 2023 1444 we're like oh, what's the big deal who cares you know but why was it an issue it was an issue because in christianity it was an issue that is the father the creator of the son or is the son uncreated in christianity and so the conclusion is that they're co-eternal which is jesus is also the creator in christianity yeah so far so good mm -hmm. and the way it played out in islam is okay is the Quran created because Jesus is the word in Christianity. The Quran is the word in Islam. Is the Quran created? If it is created, that means it has a beginning. And if it has a beginning, then maybe it has an ending. And if it has an ending, when is it? Is it in dunya? So Akbar comes along and basically speaks of himself as setting up the deen for the next thousand years that islam was the deen for the first thousand years akbar sets up dina ilahi for the next thousand years so these little tiny questions can have gigantic uh philosophical consequences what would be such a question today that for us is like a big controversial question but hundred years from now they're probably going to think okay, why are they have why are they talking about this any ideas this is not just for at least for anybody like um uh, maybe uh you could say marriage like marriage between two men or something like that i think something even easier think of like a theological philosophical type question i think evolution you know mm -hmm. Like think of all the 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 hair splitting over did evolution happen did it not happen so forth and so on. I think a hundred years from now, five hundred years five hundred years from now, people are going to look back at all of our discourse on evolution. They're like, yeah, what's the point? You know, uh, and that's what some of these issues were in their time. As big as evolution is today, in their time, they had their own big theological challenges. Because why is evolution such a big issue today? What are some reasons? Um, the the clash that comes with against faith, different faiths, okay. and how how people respond to that. So one of it, one of the things is just the the contradictions between faiths. What else? Uh, the the sort of um, primacy of science is the the guide for the modern world yeah. right we we seem to 
see science as a as a sort of um as the real for pod right barometer of any sort of hey is this true or not true because isn't that the source of faith for a lot of muslims yeah the quran talks about things that scientists didn't even realize until you know 100 years ago 50 years ago right which is basically saying that the quran's justification comes by its endorsement by science which puts the science theoretically in an abstract way above the quran it's also other things in american society it's a relationship between church and state you know in terms of how who has authority how are things being taught so forth and so on but on its own it's kind of a dumb issue like who cares if i believe in evolution or not it has no bearing on practical life right she's on you look you're about to say something well, I was going to say, I don't know if you saw Faison's comment. He said the oh, existence of evolution seems to point people to the absence oh. of a creator. Yeah. Is that a valid argument? What if you just say that? Yeah, go ahead, Omar. How so? How valid? How so? I'm asking, is it a valid argument? No, but it, like I'm, I'm asking like what in what way is it a valid argument? Like, so very like, often are you people, asking people will valid? very often argue that evolution is proof that there's no creator. Ah. Uh. I I don't think that's proof. I think it's more when people uh, use that. I think they're actually saying what Omer's point was, which is science is the arbiter of truth. Because I think for sure. us, observations of the universe can also just be signs of Allah's majesty, right? Or existence. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's when you use science as an evidence, yeah. uh, I think it's, it's not the the data itself so to speak you know yeah and so so the point being then that what if we just say yeah Allah made it happen you know I also uh, it also seems like a lot of people don't really understand what they mean by science when they speak yeah. on science as oh, a totally. too right it becomes this very similar to how like we uh cheapen our tradition and in, in, in the Quran specifically when we try to like add these like you know retcon it so to speak right where we're like oh the you know this 1500 years ago 1400 years ago like Allah spoke about this right um I think similarly I think a lot of people who want to use science as this sort of like gavel or this judgment thing um I think they don't particularly understand how like like the um what's the word uh some big word about like the philosophy of science like how it really works and how it really operates and they're kind of just mm -hmm. it's just very popular oh yeah this is it science and there we go we're going to use it now yeah i think that's also an important point there's a a, a good book that talks about this called post-truth uh which really addresses this whole thing of the way people invoke science you know, as uh, the way Omar's speaking is like this answered everything, but they may not have to understand what science actually uh, is. Okay. <clears throat> any other questions related to any of this so far? Thoughts, reflections? One thing I was going to say, what would you make of sort of, because I feel like in some ways we have like an, a reaction in our own society to this where there's like an anti-scientific movement. Um and I think because science has been placed as the, as in a way a God, right? Uh, people, you know, will be like, they'll, 
they use language like, oh, they're climate deniers or they're yeah. denying science. Anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Right. So at what level do you say, well, hey, we think the subjective data is like, you know, a benefit for society and we should, I don't know, it seems like there's a reaction to this sort of uh, elevation of science, but in an unhealthy way. I think, I mean, in my own minimal reflections, and I'm curious what others have to say, um, at the end of the day, it actually is not the science or the data, it's whom you trust. Right. Because I didn't look at any of the data on vaccinations, right? Uh, my physician brother-in-law says we should get vaccinated, right? I think you and I probably also talked about, you know, what you saw in the ER during your rotations, like you had done. And then, and so, uh, I don't know how many people have looked at the data on what is interpreted to be the Big Bang. I don't know how many people have looked at the data on what is interpreted to be the theory of evolution and such. But either people have relied on specific people they trust or the circle of the cloud of their social circle that they're in, that if everybody in my circle is a vaxxer, I'm going to be a vaxxer. If everybody in my circle is an anti-vaxxer, I'm probably going to be an anti-vaxxer. I think that's usually how these things actually play out. What do you all think? I agree. I think, I mean, that's increasingly what seems to be kind of like what's happening in the world now anyway, like in a, in a more like a, in somewhat of a grotesque way where like people seem to just gravitate towards like I trust this person for whatever reason, but then the, their sort of implicit reasons for trusting them are really weird. You know, like yeah. this goes back to what we were talking about, like the whole Andrew Tate thing or Trump or whoever, yeah. right? It just seems to be a rise of demagogues who like are taking advantage of this, like where all they need is a following. And then if you're loud enough, you know, it's true, you know, or um, it, it just seems to be this sort of like very populistic, uh, populist sort of stance now where if you have enough people believing it, it's it has to be true. You know, it's where we're all we're all, you know, part of this large spell type of thing. And then once we get enough people, it's fine. We're good. Yeah. And the true thing might either be the fact or the fact of deceit. Right. Yeah. The, um, uh, I mean, it reminds me of like uh, when Bernie was running for president and then out of, and some of you might've heard this from me, out of curiosity, I went to Bernie Sanders's webpage. Okay. And then I also went to John Patrick Leahy's webpage. I don't know, can you see my, my, my screen? Okay, so if we go to Bernie Sanders, uh, first let's go to uh, Patrick Leahy. I think he's the other Ver Vermont guy. Uh, Senator Patrick Leahy, yeah. Um, where is his actual page? Uh, where'd it go? Well, let's see if Wikipedia will direct us there. Oh, I think it's because he's retired. Um, when you go to Patrick Leahy's webpage, you will see all of his legislation and it's like 400 pages literally of legislation um uh, i think it's not there anymore okay <clears throat> let's go to bernie sanders he's still a senator 
think this one posted a link. I got the link. Oh, perfect. Let's pull it up. Okay, so this is a different one, but let's see. Activity, Patrick Leahy. I think this might give it to us. What if we open this? No, it's just the same page. Okay. Uh, but let's see, what does it tell us? Bill, 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 Bill. I Bill, think uh, Bill. on the on the top, if you scroll up on the left, just down a little bit, it says the amount of legislation he's like sponsored. Keep scrolling down. Member under member activity. Sponsored so legislation seventeen hundred. Okay. Ready? Let's look up Bernie Sanders. It's more fun on his page. But let's see what comes up here. Okay, here it's actually pretty good. 1031. Okay, kills my point. But let's look at his page. Let's see if it is still the case as it was before. Yeah, here. Oh, mashallah, I've finally been refuted. Okay, what used to be... <laughs> Allah it be Alhamdulillah. Allah it used to be a 404 page not found on this page when he was running for president. So then from there, I asked students, you know, can you tell me why I should vote for Sanders? Because we couldn't find any legislation. It was only literally like such and such post office. You know. Uh, here, here, here. No. Yeah, this actually sounds like real things. Okay, mashallah. But this the point I'm making is when I'd ask people, okay, why should I support Sanders? Nobody could give me anything legit. What would be the thing? And we might have Sanders supporters here, and I think I probably even voted for Sanders. What was the most common thing you would hear from Sanders supporters? Universal health care. More than that, that he was consistent his whole, you know, his whole professional uh -huh. career. Right. So. And so even when I'd ask for evidence, the best I'd get is some articles talking about how great he is. So. Likewise, I had a friend who is a straight up, I mean, now he probably voted for Trump. Back then he was a Sarah Palin supporter. And I asked him, okay, I'm going to trust your opinion. Tell me why I should support Sarah Palin. And he sent me photos of Sarah Palin. It's so, <laughs> like, What? What are you doing? <laughs> some 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 people in this uh, in this call also did the same with Trump. <laughs> this must none. You said you would never say that in public about me. I'm just joking. So. <laughs> but again, what is the overall point? The overall point is that <clears throat> a lot of times when we have our stances and those things that we take as obvious truths, it's more just because everybody in our circles believe them. There's data to show that people are more afraid of leaving their social circles than they are about changing their political stances. So, but, yeah. This, and, yeah. Sorry, this, this, this kind of reminds me of that joke uh, Dave Chappelle made years ago about how um, a certain race <laughs> won't ever reveal their political preferences. You know, you ever, did you, I don't know if people saw that joke, but he's just talking about how safeguarded people were with as far as like who they're going to vote for mm. but then in the same conversation they would talk 
about something very, very like lewd and personal. But then the guy the, goes, they would talk about like for? their their personal lives in a yeah, like, I remember they, that. Yeah. And then the Dave asked him, Hey, so who are you voting for? And then the guy was like, Whoa, 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 that's personal. <laughs> so then he goes afterwards, says, So I was doing this to my wife the other day, like you know, <laughs> like right after, and it's just yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts, comments, reflections, memories of jokes? All right, let us continue. So I do not understand your meaning, Socrates. Socrates. Um, I will en- endeavor to explain we speak of carrying and we speak of being carried, of reading and being read, seeing and being seen. You know that in all such cases, there is a difference. And you know all also in what the difference lies. Okay, so let's see where Socrates is going from this. Euthro. I think that I understand. And is it not that which is beloved, distinct from that which loves? Certainly. Well, now tell me, is that which is carried in the state of carrying because it is carried or for some other reason? No, that is the reason. And the same is true of which is led and of what is seen. True. Oh, that's a long way. And the thing is not seen because it is visible, but conversely visible because it is seen, nor is a thing led because it is in the state of being led, or carried because it is in the state of being carried, but the converse of this. And now I think, Euthyphro, that my meaning will, will be intel- intelligible. Uh, and my meaning is that any state of action or passion implies previous action or pa- passion. It does not become, become because it is becoming, but it is in a state of becoming because it becomes. Neither does it suffer because it, in, it is in, this, in a state of suffering, but it is in a state of suffering because it suffers. Do you not agree? Yes. Okay. Uh, can you want to try to translate this paragraph? What does Socrates seem like he's trying to say? Yeah, Omar. No, I, I was going to, but I know I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I thought I did. Anybody try? At least with this first thing. What does this first part seem to be saying or asking? Is it maybe that like, like things aren't, um, they're not like qualities are not endemic to things in themselves. It's how other things respond to them. So that seems to be basically what he's saying. So I don't remember if we discussed this when we were going through the names of Allah. Why is Allah al-Khaliq, the creator? Because he created us? That's what we would think. But if we say that, then what's the problem with that argument? Because it's dependent on us being created. Yeah. Mm. It creates a a dependence. Sorry, go ahead, No, I was going to say, you beat me to it, mashallah. That if we say he is a creator because he created, then his being al-khaliq is dependent upon creation. Mm. 
But one of the attributes of Allah is that he is completely independent. So thus we say Allah is al-Khaliq, whether or not he's created anything. So here, something is not seen because it is visible. It is visible because it is seen. So this is a certain type of logic, right? <clears throat> and so that's basically what he keeps you, making. Yeah, go ahead, Adan. So it's not seen because it's visible, but visible because it's seen. It's all, it reminds me of a phrase we use a lot in the hospital. It says the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. Oh, you told me this before. Okay, explain and connect it here. Meaning like you, you can't, uh, if you see someone, like you won't be able to come to the conclusions on like what pathology or what diagnosis or whatever is happening unless you already, like, like uh, if somebody has like a physical, if something's overt, like in front of you, be it a lab finding or something you observe on them, you won't be able to like conclude what it is unless you already know it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, go ahead, keep going. No, and it's just saying like, so something isn't seen, like something can be visible, but it's, it's. Uh, yeah, you're there, you're there, keep going. It's not like, um, it's not that it's, it's, <laughs> you you seeing that thing isn't what makes it like visible but like you seeing it and observing it is what uh makes that diagnosis right like that not just you, the thing that if you know something's a thing right you have to know it yeah you won't see those things unless you know it right unless like, you know it's a thing right right so if you're looking at my hand okay so all I'm seeing is, you know, beautiful skin, some hairs and all that stuff. Adnan is probably looking at this and finding all kinds of illnesses, right? You know, or like when an acupuncture person, you know, looks at you, he's like, oh, you have like high cholesterol. How'd you know? Oh, I touched your nostril, right? I mean, so the point being that, yeah, that if you know it is a thing, then you can recognize it when it's there. If you do not know it is a thing, you cannot recognize that it's right there in front of you. And then likewise, here it's visible because it is seen, meaning it is it is seen because we know it's a thing and thus it's visible. Nor is a thing led because it is in a state of being led or carried because it is a state of being carried. Rather, the converse, it is carried... <clears throat> It is, uh, it is in a state of being carried because it is being carried. I think all the other examples he's giving for me, it makes it more confusing. I think the first one, the visible thing, is the easiest one to understand. Right? That it is, see, it is visible because it is seen. Is this, uh, sorry, uh, so I'm gonna, it's going on a tangent a little bit, but this seems very sort of... Uh, first order statement to going into like um greek theology with the whole unmoved mover thing um you know how like where that's how they describe the divine uh presence is like it's sort of you know how we we spoke about allah earlier where he's not contingent upon any of his 
his creation or anything else. He's he's in and of his own, like independent. And in similar, I think in Greek philosophy, they have this thing of where that ultimately there has to be some entity down the line with agent with isn't contingent upon anything else before or after it. So this you do find some of this in Aristotle. So two generations after Socrates, although this is technically Plato. Oh, okay. Um, it might be there, but it might also be the point that's being raised here. This is this is I'm trying to see if I can make a link, but it's beyond me. Mm. Um, but it could be. But your idea of contingency, yeah. If you replace the word contingency with dependence, mm. right? And that's the point we we're making about Allah being al-Khaliq, right? And so where is the exact dependence and independence being located? That's what he's identifying here. Make sense? Okay. All right. Let us continue. Socrates. Is it is not that which is love in some state either or of becoming or suffering? What does that mean? It's not that which is loved in some state either of becoming or suffering. So let's do the, the, the next line. So Euthyphro. Yes. Okay. Have rules. And then Socrates again. The same holds as in the previous instance. The state of being loved follows the act of being loved and not the act the state. Yeah. Anybody want to try? Uh, certainly, yeah. Anybody want to try? Make sense of these two quotes. Oh, wow. Look at this. I just clicked on this. Well, this is giving us the, the philosoph philosophical explanation. Yeah, you all understand the philosophical explanation? The state of being follows the act. So it is the act that generates the state. So it's, isn't a that a, a theme in our sort of spirituality? Like you, your, um, like to reach certain spiritual goals, you have to physically do those actions before you'll reach that state. So like, you're not going to reach piety or iman. You have to like actually pray and fast or do good. Uh, and those good actions are, or even in the Hadith of the Prophet when you do something bad, do something good to wipe it out. Like the good actions themselves are what changes your state. The state doesn't lead to the action. Yes, and the reason I sound uh, hesitant is because it does open up all kinds of potential theological schools, but if we keep the minimum point that your default is Iman, then my act can remove me from Iman into Kufr. Yeah? Yeah, I would agree with that. And then, relate to the other point you made, if I have uh, if I do wrong, then it causes a black dot on my heart. If I do right, it erases a black dot on my heart. So the act is preceding the state. The hesitancy comes because it can also start becoming a circle. That if I do enough wrong, 
then it's going to cause me to do more wrong. If I do enough good, it's going to cause me to do more good. Yeah. But isn't that something we also sort of see? Like when people fall into bad habits or, you know, certain sins where like they sort of spiral in that. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. And so if we still argue that the act is what initiated it, then yeah, it works. So we're saying fake it till you make it is true? No, I'm just joking. Um, in a way, yeah. yeah. Unless you're a preacher, you know. <laughs> or a celebrity imam. Yeah, right. Oh, oh boy. Everything has to come back to this. Yeah, but I started. Okay, yeah. So, so back to the point of love. Something, okay, so the state of being loved follows the act of being loved. So apply this to the example of the tree falling in a forest. What would be Socrates' version of that? Is that exactly what uh, we we commonly say? No, I, his won't his version, if we were to follow this, be that there is no sound being made because there's no one to observe that sound being made? Yeah, I think that's what we say, though, isn't it? I thought we say that, oh, maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. I thought there is a sound because the sound happens independent of whether or not anyone hearing it. I'm saying like in our general society, not necessarily our, like uh, if the tree falls in the the woods, you know, did it, uh, does, what is it? Does anybody hear it? Yeah. Or if nobody hears it, did it make any sound? Something like that. Mm -hmm. The point he would be making is that if someone sees it, then it fell. If someone heard it, then it made a sound. Mm. If no one heard it, then it's irrelevant. It did not make a sound. Okay, this is the, again um, officially the contingency argument, but for our purposes, it's easier to call it the dependency. Where is what is dependent on what? The state is dependent on the action. Okay, so he is now asking, where is the dependency? Socrates. Because it is pious or holy or for some other reason. So it's back to the original question. Do the gods love something because it's holy or do the gods, is it holy because the gods love it? So where is the dependency? All right, Euthyphro. No, that is the reason. It is love because it is holy, not holy because it is love. Yes. And that which is dear to the gods is loved by them and is in a, is in a state to be loved. Of them because it is both of them. Certainly. So, doesn't this sound like a contradiction? It is loved because it is holy, not holy because it is love. I thought he's saying the, this latter part. Now I'm getting confused here too. That something is holy because it is loved. All right, and I think I've confused all of you even more. All right, let's continue. Then that which is dear to the gods, Euthyphro, is not holy, nor is that which is holy love of God, as you affirm, but, that, but they are two different things. How do you mean, Socrates? I mean to say that the holy has been acknowledged by us to be loved of God, because it is holy, not to be holy because it is love. Oh, yes. okay, I got it, got it. Here's what he's saying. Bunyawi things, the act proceeds. But when the divine is involved, it is the value of the thing. 
as opposed to the act as opposed to the act by the divine. All right, continue. Uh, but that which is dear to the gods is dear to them because it is loved by them, not loved by them because it is dear to them. True. But friend Euthyphro, if that which is holy is the same with that which is dear to God and is loved because it is holy, then that which is dear to God would have been loved as, as being dear to God. But if that which is dear to God is dear to him because loved by him, then that which is holy would have been holy because loved by him. But now you see that the river is of a kind to be loved because it is love. And the other is loved because it is of a kind to be loved. Thus you appear to me, Euthyphro, which I ask, ask you, what is the essence of holiness? To offer an attribute only, and not the essence, the attribute of being loved by all the gods. But you still refuse to explain to me the nature of holiness. And therefore, if you please, I will ask you not to hide your treasure, but to tell me once more what holiness or piety really is, whether dear, whether dear to the gods or not, for that is a matter about which we will not quarrel, and which what is impiety. So, and I'm curious by, does anything else come up now? Okay, so again, what is taking place here? Fundamental question, what is piety? Piety is what was loved by the gods. Well, the gods love different things. Well, then what's loved by all the gods, okay? But is it pious because the gods love it, or is it love because, because is it pious because the gods love it, or the gods love it because it's pious? And Socrates is saying, tell me. By the way, I hope you all aren't getting excited that, you know, as we approach the end over here, that we're going to have some massive discovery. It's not going to happen. It's going to be the most frustrated open-ended ending. So, oh, no, I lost my place. Great. It's, um, I really do not know. Oh, right there. Perfect. Yeah. Got it. Uh, I really do not know, Socrates, how to, how to express what I mean for somehow or other our arguments on whatever ground we rest them seem to turn round and walk away from us. So you're saying basically, bro, you're running circles around this. It's not, I don't even know what to tell you anymore. Your words, Euthyphil, are like the handiwork of my ancestor, Daedalus. If I were the seer of the propounder of them, you might say that my arguments walk away and will not remain fixed where they are placed because I am a descendant of, the, of his. But now, since those notions are your own, you must find some other guide, for they certainly, as you yourself allow, show an in inclination to be on the move. So what's happening now? The whole starting point of this is what justifies filing charges against your dad. And Socrates has basically brought him to the point where he's like, you got nothing here. It makes no sense. The whole thing upon which you stand, your religion, makes no sense because it's easy to twist it into its opposite. Okay, continue. Nay, Socrates, I shall still say that you are the Daedalus who sets arguments in motion, 
Not I certainly, but you make them move or go round, for they would never have stirred, as far as I am concerned. Then there must be a greater than Vedulus, for whereas he only made his own inventions to move, I move those of other people as well. The beauty of it is that I would rather not, for I would give the wisdom of Daedalus and the wealth of Tantalus to be able to detain them and keep them fixed. But enough of this, as I perceive that you are lazy, I will myself endeavor to show you how you might instruct me in the nature of piety. I hope that you will not grudge your labor. Tell me then, is not that which is pious necessarily just? Okay, so before we get to this point, uh, you're all familiar with Daedalus, right? Omar, tell us who is Daedalus. You're on mute. Omar, you're muted. Is he Icarus's father? Yeah. Uh, so everyone knows Icarus's story, right? No. So his father was the one who invented the wings, and you know he was he was known for being a very genius inventor, and he could you know make sort of pseudo automatons, things that could move on their own. So that's that's where the data list comes from. Yeah. Okay. So Socrates is basically saying, all right. You know, you haven't been able to explain to me. Let me try to explain to you. Is that which is pious just? How would you answer this about taqwa? Is taqwa or bir, the words we're using at the beginning of this essay, let's play, are they necessarily just? What do you all think? Yes. Um, I Maybe sometimes not. Argue it. Either way. Um, well, for not, I would say like something. Uh, uh, we gave the example last class of Chrysas um, or eye for an eye in, in the case of a murder. And then the greatness of forgiveness, which um, is, it, it has a pretty, you know, a, a close link with Tafwa itself. But uh, if you would practice forgiveness in that situation, you could make the argument that justice was not practiced is that something better than justice or something different than justice what do you think well i would say it's 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 it is justice in because you have to look at it i i mean the way i'm looking at it you have to it depends on what context you're looking at it um because if you're looking at it from i mean now like a divine perspective Right. Uh, dang, I'm, I'm trapping myself a little bit, but I think from a, from a divine, isn't that like ultimate justice where you, you've forgiven someone and then, so it's good for both of you. What do you all think? I mean, yeah. Once you say that in the, the realm of divine, then yeah, <laughs> I mean, then yeah, but in the realm of man, I, it it's, I guess, I mean, we'd have to define, the scope of you know whether we're discussing the divine or just this this world here i think uh you both are basically answering your question with this exact point that from uh is something universally just from all perspectives not necessarily 
but for example, if someone is giving forgiveness, I think they're actually overriding justice. But I think you can argue this uh, either way. That if uh, I wrong you and you forgive me, uh, you are fulfilling an option that is available to you. But let's say someone else does the exact same wrong to you and you don't forgive them. In the case of you forgiving me, you've overridden justice. Uh, but in the other case, you are implementing justice. If we define justice as crime and punishment. And so I think justice can be very subjective. So. But I'm getting the ishara that I have to go to my next class. Uh, so let's stop here. Can someone make a note? Tell me the, uh, Tell me then... If, is not that which is pious necessarily just? And that is where we will continue. Think about this question some more. The relationship between piety and justice. Okay, any last thoughts, reflections, questions? Blank stairs, just like undergrads. Okay, we will stop here, inshallah, and we'll continue. Inshallah, let me double check that, make sure we're good for next Monday. The 13th. Yes, we are good, inshallah. All right. We'll see you all, inshallah, in a week, if not before then. Okay. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. Nastafiruka wa natubi ilaik. May Allah tell the word you all, inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullah.